Oh, Mr. Kent, what tale of horror and the macabre are you working on now? Oh, I don't feel like writing horror right now. Oh, that's too bad. I'm working on a biography of Benjamin Franklin. He's a fascinating man. He discovered electricity and used it to torture small animals and green mountain men. And that key he tied to the end of a kite, it opened the gates of hell. Well, let me know when you get back to horror. Will do. Welcome to Against All Oddities, the podcast about three brothers coming to terms with the oddly true and the truthfully odd. Today's episode will focus on Stephen King. However, we here at the Against All Oddities Mega Corporation are not your average Stephen King fanboys. So join us for a discussion that includes references to the Dark Tower series, Carrie, Creepshow, Cat's Eye, The Shining, Cujo, The Long Walk, and Talisman. But stay for our unique and mystical insights into the early works of John Belair's H.P. Lovecraft, the multiverse, and fear itself. This is Against All Oddities. So I can. So we're talking about Stephen King. Stephen King. King. Stephen King. Stephen King. I don't feel like starting. You don't. I feel like I always start. So. Oh Nate, really? Nate, you introduced probably all of us at some point to Stephen King things based on well, the picture behind well, you. Okay. Well, let's. How about how would I start? All uh, right, Chris starts yeah. or Dad, I guess. I did, you know, I actually only recently got into Stephen King. I mean, what the introduction to Stephen King for me, okay, this is maybe how I got introduced to Stephen King. Cat's, Cat's eye. eye, which I saw maybe a little too young. Oh, yeah. I mean, honestly, the first thing that got me into Stephen King was actually The Shining, not the book that was written by Stephen King, that, but the movie. You watched The Shining before Cat's Eye? I saw The Shining with Dad as an eight year old. <laughs> Because dad was like, oh, you could watch this, I guess. Let me just fast forward through the nudity. Yeah, because which, that's the bad part in that movie. stood up, walked over, and hit fast forward. <laughs> which on the VHS. <laughs> when, when she gets the rotted corpse, gets out of the tub and walks there. Yeah, no, 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 she wasn't I, at first. I'm she was because she was she normal. Was, she was beautiful, and then but then you, yeah, you saw the mirror. She was like all rotted up. So I feel like that, and then also I don't know if we were allowed to watch. Um, I believe Dad also let us watch Cat's Eye, which is my I didn't even know. I watched Cat's Eye. Yeah, we Dad's all watched out. Cat's Eye. I loved Cat's Eye. It was I, on VHS, right? So we watched it mm-hmm. like a hundred times. I mean, I mainly liked the troll. I didn't really care yeah, about the other. Yeah, that was the best part. The of other that. ones were nothing to me. Like the cigarette smoking one. It was like mm-hmm. on the path, and then the pigeon was a slightly more interesting. Yeah. And then, when, but you're waiting. This for, was art. The the, you're the troll for the was troll art. Fight. Like that was you suffered, but we watched it from the beginning, or I did. I, I remember like at least twenty times from the beginning to end. But you're really just waiting for the cat versus yeah. troll fight. It's not a long movie either. But so so I think that, and then we. I don't know if we were allowed to watch Creep Show, but he also had Creep Show and Creep Show Two on VHS. Yeah, we did. Uh, we watched all those. I watched Creep Show remember, on the VHS. Um, and I. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Rainy dad's second wife or former stepmother said, it's just makeup. They can watch it. Like she did not care. <laughs> and then and so I saw this like zombie hand coming out of a grave and starting to crawl out. And I was like, that's lipstick. And she was like, it's not. Th-. Yes, it is. Okay. Yeah. Fine. And I was probably like five or six, which yeah, we were Chris at like seven or eight. Yeah. Which and that was probably the same, the same. I didn't see the shining, but that actually explains a lot about chris's occult interests maybe starting at a younger age is being introduced to that as mine was probably cat's eye which for a listener's point of view is about a little demon troll haunting a little girl stealing her breath but a cat 
notices a cat named general 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 cat named general and there's this little i did no research i know that entire movie by heart (laughs) it is just one chapter there's two other chapters in that movie that are completely like deleted it's just the troll that sneaks out in your bedroom at night and steals your breath it's so Uh, good wait who was the smoking guy um james woods yeah (laughs) Yeah, you're right. I love James Woods. I do love James Woods. He he was great in it, and then uh, which was terrible. And I I I can't believe I ever smoked a cigarette after watching that movie. Um, And then uh, I thought the uh, the guy walking around the corner. getting pecked in the ankle you could just feel the pecks like it was a really good that, movie that one oh, right. was good was too cat's eye had three short stories right so uh james woods was trying to quit smoking and he signed a contract with the mafia that, with the mafia the saying that if he smoked they would kill his family and he still smoked <laughs> so, yeah, it's a hard thing to quit yeah <laughs> but um, i guys pinky at the end the guy's wife will cut off your wife's pinky ha 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 and she is missing a pinky so I, one one thing to go back to Chris being maybe exposed to occult things like The Shining too early. I, he, I think it was the right amount of time. I I still love that movie and I loved it in the beginning. What are you holding up? Oh, that Tim is holding up a book for our listeners called The Lamp from the Warlock's Tomb um, by uh, Bellers, uh, John uh, Beller, John Bellers, which I read that. religiously in elementary school, and I've recently as of two years ago, rebought all of them because A, I love them. They're these children's book about like this magician um, and they're all il- illustrated by Edward Gorey. And yeah, the, the illustrations and the and are so, and the interior illustrations if you get one. But I think he was an occultist because it holds up. You, like, uh, this one, I literally just finished reading this to Jack and I had to skip over some parts. About, <laughs> yeah. Like what? The, What's the part you would skip over? The, the the general yeah. consensus of this book is uh this little boy is friends with an old lady who's a librarian they find a lamp that is haunted and suddenly this vampire like trench-coated little troll man with cobwebs over his face killed a guy drained his essence <laughs> and then the little boy's just scared and nobody believes him except the lady and so he goes to uh just walking around at night he sees like the cobweb corpse like in shops and stuff like rocking in the window in a rocking chair and it turns out this lawyer that was into the occult performed a spell to try to become immortal but ended up being possessed by this demon so to prevent from being possessed he created a tomb at his property and where he had a bell a bible this lamp and he stuffed his ashes into a corpse uh, a <laughs> scarecrow i mean not a corpse and had it set up like he was staring at the lamp and somebody stole the lamp and so the demon followed and it turned out this lady that was trying to become ishtar this ancient god to destroy everybody okay ishtar is real uh, i mean that's what i'm saying there's real this is a real occultist who's making kid stories and if our listeners are at all interested just check out John Belair's. It's written like Hardy Holy Boys. Cow. Like they must have written a hundred of them. But the, my favorite are the ones that are illustrated by Gory because Gory knows exactly how to illustrate a kid's book about spooky stuff. So and one, it, yeah, just uh, one one last thing about the Warlock book is there's the woman. What she was trying to do is set up an altar as the moon was rising on the specific day, and there were two trolls with hammers. Yes. And then a, a woman statue that was life size in red clay with grotesque bloodshot eyes pointing at her forehead that had gold script of a word that I didn't feel comfortable saying out loud to Jack because it's <laughs> legit. And, uh, but whatever. So, anyway, this was, this I think is a gateway to Stephen King for eight year olds. Is what I was yes. I read I thought, it in elementary school. I thought it was the box boxcar children or <laughs> the Nick. Benicula, <laughs> yeah. No, at the time I was reading Benicula because you were into Benicula, Nate. But I, I found at the library the Mummy, the Witch, and the Will, which is uh, another John Bellairs, and it like it like turned me to the dark side. Like it was so, <laughs> it was so good. But anyway, we're a little off topic. But all this does leave to Stephen King, and I do want to get to Stephen King. Uh, Nate, in his backdrop, has 
Stephen King in the Creep Show one, where he is the farmer who gets hit. He like gets touches the uh, the meteorite fuzz, and then everything I got starts. Meteor on me <laughs> it's exactly. the best one but i it remember so fun i remember watching that with dad and dad goes that's stephen king and i'm like really he can act too like and like forever <laughs> i know stephen king from his role in creep show now i know he's in a lot of movies like he's in pet cemetery he always just does these cameos but his role in creep show one where he's slowly getting covered by green alien fungus um made me whether or not i realized it love stephen king because he seemed fun <laughs> see, he was also he was talking to his dead father yeah. who was currently haunting them or he was hallucinating about it but either way that just on paper it's a farmer that gets infected by this meteor and his dead father is advising him through it and he's yeah. not listening and he ends mm -hmm. up blowing his brains out because of it and was his dead father advising him or was he just it, like talking I, to him no nah, i thought it was his father because he was like don't you get in that bathtub boy and he was like but i need to and he gets in the bathtub and the fungus explodes and so he blows his brain down spoiler alert it's a 10 minute video well i mean and this is my my early on stephen king hot take he's better at short stories than he is long stories uh yeah i know controversial controversial hot take uh, i will say for his movies yes and like say i think in the i think that my closing arguments even though we haven't gotten to the opening arguments yet <laughs> well chris but, just started i think i just threw one. the first glove for opening arguments shorts his shorts are better right. than so we'll we'll say i'm gonna say this for the opening argument and then we can go into like some of the the book versus movie of Stephen King and why Stephen King works better as a book, at least for the long ones, and then the short stories for the movies. Uh, and uh, if you if you think about his the, what his storytelling is and like the what he, his stories are so oddly like out there and this and he writes almost like in a subjective way where you're getting drawn into like an imagination world like every single one like they're scary or whatever but it, it's taking you to like the most crazy far out fantasyful things that i don't know how and when you read the book I, i'm always thinking there is no way they're ever going to make a movie out of this and then they make the worst possible yeah, movie out yeah. of that uh, because in the book, if you're reading it, that you can get into the throw uh, be thrown into disbelief easily. You know, I, I you know it's it's easier in your own imagination, especially for horror. I think books can be a lot scarier. Yeah. Uh, for movies, you have to be scared and it can't be fake and it can't be whatever. But his stuff, every single one is so far out and and, and descriptive and awesome that um, where if it's a shorter story in like a movie it's a concept that the screenwriter and the producers have to get and in mm -hmm. my mm -hmm. and i'm going to come to my conclusion to this mm -hmm. here in a second so if you have <clears throat> you have these short short things he's like yeah it's a little monster wants to get a girl blah 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 they can do they can kind of gloss over a lot of stuff on the little short stories and inhabit but uh where in my case in point the shining is a great book i actually quit reading it three quarters of the way through because i travel for work <laughs> and I kept reading it in hotels, and I was like, "This is the worst place to read this book." And yeah. here's the here's my thing about the The Shining, and why Stephen King also he's imagination and not a visual guy. He hated the Stanley Kubrick Shining movie, <laughs> and he is in the wrong because that movie it, it is, is perfect. <laughs> it is the perfect movie, it, it, because I guess they changed his vision and as as head of how how he wrote it. But uh, he actually remade one in a 90s TV movie with the guy from, from Wings. From and Wings. that was like uh, his version. His it's version. not as good. It is not even, of course, it's not as good. And, and the course, book like, isn't as good as the Kubrick movie, I would No, I don't think well. so. The, the book is good, but it's the book's not fine. the same. Because you but didn't it's... have Jack Nicholson in it. And... Well, the ending was stupid. 
the frozen ending or no the frozen ending's perfect no that's like a great ending the dumb ending is like and the in house the blows up yeah they blow it up in the boiler uh yeah. i mean did you see dr sleep dr sleep is fine dr but sleep they follow very... the book actually they yeah. they were very clever with it it was a different type of blowing up and also they were giving tribute back to stephen king it was necessary yeah. but so my thing i'll say so here's my thing about the shorts is so Meredith and I, my wife and I drive through the state of Maine, where, which is where Stephen King lives. And we listened to Steve. We started, I never really read Stephen King. I read the, the shining in college, but that was the only Stephen King I ever read. I just knew the movies, uh, until we started driving to Maine every year, which we've been doing for like 13 years now. Um, and we decided for when you're listening to an audiobook, you need a book that is both good so that you don't get mad at it and you are compelled to keep listening, but also not too good <laughs> where you're like drifting into another lane because you're you're like not in the car anymore. I thought that was Dan Brown for you. Uh, I, it started with Dan Brown. Where God, I, I hate Dan Brown. On well, I, I, I hate Dan Brown, too, but Dan Brown was keeping me awake with my hatred of him. Uh. Right. But anyway, we like listening to Stephen King because we're in Maine. They're talking about Maine. We're like driving through Maine while Maine is being featured. And that's really fun. But a lot of the times we were only in Maine for a few hours and we were listening to the shorts. And I actually think his short stories are better writing. Like it's less about the zany world. And actually he's a little bit more poetic. He's a little bit more graceful. And I find the really long ones like it or – any of, I mean, all of his books are long. They're all tomes, but uh, the but stand he, is huge. Yeah, but there's the a stand thing. was so good though. He yeah. loves to torture people. He's like, here's your good person, and here's your bad person, and they're gonna just the bad person's gonna slowly torture the good person for seven chapters. You actually just described most of the Dark Tower series. I know I can't do yeah. Dark Tower. I mean, I read the first one, and that was like the most. That's all you do. need. If, you know what? The first one's actually extraordinarily good, and like you said, more... it's only like 150 pages. Yeah, but too, it's, he wrote it's it... an early book in yeah. like college or something but it's it's more poetic mm -hmm. it's more mysterious he doesn't fill in all the gaps but he creates a lot of them where yes which like, is what a good author does. right because if you just read the first one and let it go it actually doesn't make a lot of sense like a little boy falls down into some cavern there's a man in black that the gunslinger's chasing and you don't entirely know why there's a scary like like train underground tunnel thing and then it just sort of like he gets through it and it's the end of the book and you're like what's well, insane and then it goes to book two which is like 500 pages and book three which is five or six and then i've read all of them and i, I enjoyed it but there was a a large portion of that that you could tell it was more cathartic for him than it was meant to be like yeah if for the reader because he wrote a character named stephen king into the book from Bangor, oh that was Maine. so terrible oh my god that's unacceptable sorry and, and, and it's not and we know so i should disclose that stephen king is one of our listeners um and we agreed to do this to honor him but like man sorry stephen like or we call him steve sorry steve yeah sorry don't write yourself you gotta not do yes, that dog. it's really at the end of the book in the epilogue i think he knew what he did and he he <laughs> didn't justify it but he explained it and essentially uh, like in the end of not the whole series but the when he was introduced he was like i debated about doing this forever and essentially i realized it was my story and this was something i needed to do to get through something i was working with and these That's characters fair. and rolling in his quartet he felt like he was a part of it and so he leaned on them through support but at I mean, uh, Steve, yeah, he, he gets to do whatever he wants, so it's fine. I know, but it's still... Uh... So, well, yeah, it wasn't fun to read. Uh, I, I'll give him some some credit. Like, in the story, he does bash himself. Not only did I read those books a few years ago when I kept driving to New Hampshire and Maine and stuff for work, I listened to the series again. That's 27 hours per book. Oof, oof. seven oh. bucks you um, could have learned another language at i the... tried i had the german <laughs> tds but they're boring um they are boring yeah but here's the thing 
I'm going to give you a brief history. So I've been listening. I just listened to On Writing by Stephen King, and it's his book on writing, but it's also a really good autobiography, and it talks about where he's coming from. Every book Stephen King writes about is about himself. Of course. Uh, like everybody, and maybe not directly, he comes up with these cool story ideas. But if you look at his his first book, which is really amazing, uh, which is Carrie, his first yeah, published book, which is good, and he threw the first uh, chapter or something in the trash can, like he was like whatever, because he was writing about um, he was pulling the girl that he's writing from was from uh, I think it was his high school or something, or he was also a high school teacher when he wrote that, uh... and. But anyway, this one girl, he was in the uh, at her house and they had uh, her mom was there and there's this big, scary painting of Jesus. And he's just super emaciated and covered in blood and stuff. And it's like, how could And his thought was when he was there and the very timid girl who wore the same clothes and the girls all were just terrible and made fun of the uh, this one one girl at the, the school. He was like, how could even like you leave that house with that painting of Jesus, like pray that he'll help you from your problems with every problem he has. He's just so, you know, terrified. And then uh, on top of that, you know, he, he had that whole religious aspect and he watched like the, the terror of all the, the, the girls terrorizing stuff and the, and the high school mm-hmm. <laughs> he was at. So he was a teacher. He wrote it, threw it in the trash can. His wife pulled it out and was like, what in the early seventies, what are you doing? Yeah, he's like, it's dry. What do I know about writing about teenage girls? And she's like, I'll help you with that a little bit. This is a good Did story. Did they get I divorced? No, they're he, still married. Good for him. But also, I listened to all of his books with my wife, and she's the romance const- parts. She's constantly like, "Has he ever had sex with a woman before?" <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I don't know. I, I, I'm not. I'll try not to imagine what. <laughs> the romantic moves are that he does with his wife so in the 70s I mean, he's again, got kids so. uh, he, 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 does, supposedly he, two... he knows what he's doing but sometimes he, she was like does that is, does he does he think that's how sex works <laughs> like... yeah it's 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 hard to read he's definitely not a romance writer his wife was for a while uh he did laundry at a laundromat for high hospitals uh, he w- always wrote all the time, like short stories, and he'd try to sell those to like magazines mm-hmm. and stuff. But Carrie, uh, after he published that, um, it was kind of uh, interesting. He he got a call at the school, and he was like, a kid broke a leg, or somebody bought Carrie, and somebody had bought Carrie, and the, they got uh, four hundred thousand dollars, and he got to keep half of it. You know, his publisher got the rest or something. So, but 1973 or whatever it was, was like a huge amount of money. And, uh, you know, it enabled him to quit teaching and do everything. Uh, He didn't have an agent for a long time, which was probably a big mistake uh, for him. But uh, it worked out. Yeah, he's he's all right. He's doing okay. The the biggest problem in his life, too, was I'll I'll get over the history the biggest thing I think in, in, in his writing, you'll see it was his alcoholism and drug addiction. Mm-hmm. And it got to the point where, uh, like in the shining, he, he is of course, Jack's character, right? Like that was him. Like it, he didn't not, I mean, an, uh, exaggerated version, you know, I know he's a nice guy. He's not like, Oh, we're a canoe play. You know, he can have the, you know, right. He still writes like a thousand words a day or something. No, it's absolutely insane how I, I won't, we, we should talk about that in a second. But then it goes into, uh, he, he kept going. Uh, he did not remember writing Cujo. <laughs> it's not uh, one of his better he, ones. Well, he, he enjoyed it, but he said, I he made a lot I of money off of it. Remembered the joy of writing it. Cause at that point in the eighties, he got into cocaine. And oh, so sure. he would just lock himself. He had these little kids and, or whatever or kids, but he would like lock himself in his office and just drink and do cocaine and a few days later come out with like Cujo, (laughs) which is amazing. And then uh, later his family had an intervention with him. And if you look at his, like said at some point in the late eighties in misery was cocaine. Like the, the um, what's her name in the, the book. Kathy Bates. Kathy Bates's character was, uh, was a personification of his drug addiction at the time. And he was the writer, um, but uh, that was right towards at the end of it. And all in, the, in, in his books, especially, I really the newer book, Doctor Sleep, which was the uh, the sequel to The Shining, I thought was a- absolutely really good and amazing, and shows like a different book. And I don't think it was qu- it was scary in different ways, 
but he's also a different person. And he, at this point, he's probably been sober for 24 years mm-hmm. or whatever, or longer, 30 years. So, um, but I, I think you, you can see his writing change and, and kind of. Yeah. Um, you can still tell it's it. him, though. I could read 10 pages and tell you if it was Stephen King or not. Oh, yeah. I think it didn't. If anything, it changed for the better and he'd be dead by now, I'm sure. <laughs> like, no one can 80s their way <laughs> into yeah. the 2000s. He would <laughs> never a, survive the 90s. I think one one thing that Chris touched on earlier is that he, he thinks the short stories are more poetic and maybe better because he doesn't give you every single detail. But the reason his epics don't translate into movies, like, all that well sometimes is because it starts like he knows which characters are going to be main characters and you can sort of tell how much a character is going to mean sometimes because uh, the amount of description about the thought process behind that character and development he puts into just their introduction mm-hmm. is like Susie Q is walking her dog and noticed dog laying on the ground so as she picked up her own dog's poop she picked up this other dog's poop and realized that everybody that doesn't pick up their dog's poop needs to be shot because she was a tidy person not overly tidy she wouldn't dust every day but she kept a clean house and she liked <laughs> to eat tuna for lunch and then like she completely like he completely breaks down just this this moment in time of who that sure. person is and what they're doing and then goes to the next one and so if you read 50 pages and it's 25 different characters and what they do and how they got there and how it's a sheriff that doesn't cuss. And I'm describing characters from the dome, mm-hmm. actually, because that's the first 100 pages is all character description. And then a guy's pacemaker blows up randomly and kills him. And you're like, OK, here we go. Like, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's what I've been waiting for. And then in a movie, you just see a lady walking and picking up dog crap. And that's like another one, and she's point. like, Ugh, and then that's moves really on. Good. So, yeah, mm-hmm. you don't get the aesthetic yeah. of who this what person is, it? is. Third person omniscient, yeah, sure. I mean, I don't know if that's where you can the... tell where it's almost like telling what they're thinking, but that yeah, never yeah, plays, yeah, absolutely. yeah, yes. Mr. Whiskers here. I have lots of things to be worried about, but thanks to my paranormal insurance policy from Dorfview.com. D-O-R-F-Y-O-U. I don't have to worry about goblins and ghosts in my walls. Get your policy at D-O-R-F-Y-O-U.com. That's D-O-R-F-Y-O-U.com. Mr. Whiskers. <laughs> things make me nervous. Spooky things like ghosts make me really nervous. I feel very good knowing I have paranormal insurance from dwarfyou.com, D-O-R-F-Y-O-U.com. You can trust me, I am not a dog. One of his books that I think is a little bit underappreciated, but one of my favorites is The Long Walk. Oh, that's a great one. Because, you know, he just went on a walk and he'd be like, I could walk probably forever because my heart rate's not up. I'm doing good. I bet if I could eat. And then all of a sudden he's like, well, what if I had to walk forever? What how many days can you walk? How, how can many you days? Can, how long would your shoes last? How would peeing and pooping <laughs> yeah. work? What about blisters? What happens yeah. at the end of it? Like, and so what if you had a head cold if you were walking? Yeah. I know he hashes out all this. With, uh, I, f- I feel like there is something just to keep moving into, like something you said earlier, which was how the movies don't always work in the same capacity as the books. And I think there is, they're not similar, but there is a little bit of the a lovecraft paradox which is lovecraft cannot you cannot make a movie off of a lovecraft book not a good one i enjoyed the the uh hbo series lovecraft country yeah but it had nothing to do with lovecraft uh it showed a few scenes from different books i i also enjoyed the series but so the the lovecraft paradox is that the 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 core of what makes lovecraft good aside from his obvious like problems with like xenophobia and racism and stuff from the 19th century but what makes them good is it's all about mm, existential terror or or cosmic horror yeah cosmic horror and then as soon yeah. as you try to visualize it it doesn't work the whole reason why it's scary is you can't visualize it it's like he has the short story that was recently turned into a nick cage movie called a color out of space Oh, yeah. I didn't see it. You told me it was terrible. Don't watch it. However, the reason why that short – they made a movie out of that short story because that short story is amazing. Why the short story is amazing is it's a very short – 
it's a Lovecraft story where they're just musing about a color that you can't imagine, a color out of space that's slowly killing everything in this world. Like and pink? Is it like a pinkish purple? It's a color that doesn't exist, <laughs> which is why the movie's terrible, because the movie's like, magenta's kind of spooky. <laughs> and it's like, no, why it's good is you can't, it's, you can't envision it. It's, that's what's scary about it. It's, it's this cosmic horror. It's like, it's like the unknown. Being afraid of the dark when you're a little kid. What's under the bed? As soon as, as soon as you show what it is, you have a Del Toro movie. And it's yeah. like, keep it where you can't see it. And that's a problem. It can be done in movies, but it's very hard. And I do feel that Stephen King sometimes falls into that category. Um, let's talk about it. You know, like it was a big blockbuster movie. But if you've read the book, like some of the stuff that's happening in that, you can't turn into visuals. And they try that's it's like uh like the spider thing and, oh, at the yeah. end, and like that stuff just the newer ones are pretty newer good. Newer one was pretty good, the two movies. Newer one like was them. pretty good. But it's I'm just glad. it's just hard to like visualize some of that stuff. And what I like about Stephen King is he does kind of sometimes surf the cosmic horror vibe of like the deadlights right like the deadlights are not something you should be able to see it's something yeah. unimaginable it's like no they're bright but there's nothing there it's like the absolute depth of nothingness in the universe staring at you like you can't and so yeah. in the movie they have bright lights but like how else can they do it you're, you can't I mean... do it and so so you're you're up with a <laughs> lesser thing but your imagination can kind of there's like a friction with your imagination when you're thinking about concepts like this the same okay. with lovecraft too but anyway that's my well, rant yeah, about think, lovecraft well, paradox and stephen Love king's version lovecraft i think is a good thing to do and it's always otherworldly i think yeah. it's another thing and stephen king later he tried to tries to tie all his books together kind of through the dark tower but it's always about the multiverse so it's almost sure. like you have a, a plane of existence or another world where you have werewolves and where you have all of this other stuff and a great the talisman was a great one and then my favorite which is a stephen king peter straub thing was the i think it's the black house or uh sure. really cool haunted house book to read like it, it's the sequel to the talisman so it's worth what reading the talisman and then reading that one yep. uh, those i recommend those two for his fantasy books but it, it's it's like the that is the a baby dark tower where those two books and it doesn't go on for a billion pages it's just two medium-sized books that he wrote with another author so it was like sped up a little bit so the, but, dark, uh, the yeah. dark tower was probably ten thousand pages or something and they made a 90 minute movie out of it oh, no. that movie was so I refused to watch it that movie was so horrible it. you can never tim you can never see that movie i refuse to I and i her. love i love that matthew guy. mcconaughey Great. Matthew McConaughey was the wizard, right? Or the, yeah, the, the dark man. Oh, pff, I forgot about it already because it's just so phenomenal. Who, by the bad. way, it's his, his, his character is the one from the stand. It's a, yeah. he's, he's supposed to be Randall flag. As well, well, the, um, uh, Castle Rock, the TV series is doing a good job tying all these like universes together, or the single universe but tying yeah. all these stories together I, I feel like the multiverse thing was just a good way for him to tie them together but at his heart i think it's really about cosmic horror with him too that's like it and that's like the shining it's about maybe less the shining but more the it of this like cosmic horror like the turtle and it. i think like it's there. things slipping into our reality so you have sure. you have our normal world where you have work at a job and do whatever, and then Stephen King is what if something slips in? Like From Bigfoot that. would be a great thing for him to do, but instead for Stephen King's, it's like okay, take this small town, slip in a werewolf, and yeah, then see, you he have... does. You're right. Oh, Silver Bullet. The, yeah. He um he he answers the every man's what if what if what if whatever. <laughs> That because it is like, what if I couldn't walk forever? What if there was a werewolf? What if, what if your Saint Bernard you was bitten by a radio uh, by a rabid bat and then went and terrorized the whole city? Right. So yeah. it is a lot of a lot yeah, of, but it, it, it at its heart, we're breaking it down. It's going to be about 
this other thing, right? Something outside of our experience and the perversion of our experience from the other. That's like kind of his key, right? It's also like Stephen King at this point is as a celebrity and as uh, proliferative as he, he is like all three of us grew up with them at like creep show and cat's eye and whatever yeah, that so was 35 will, years ago <laughs> i will read his books and i'll watch his movies because it's the it's the same as watching the new star wars movies or watching sure. a new indiana jones movies absolutely it's, his books are, i think are still better than like a new star wars movie no, the I, plots I, are absolutely. always better and better described but it's that same level of of i i grew up with him he just doesn't always do a consecutive trilogy in a clean cut ending but it's it's the sentiment i have towards his writing i will never get rid of all of his books i I keep them i probably have 16 stephen king books in the house somewhere maybe more um if i'm at an airport that's my go-to because i know i kind of i know i'll enjoy it no matter what even if it's the worst dad dad had it uh said it best as like he's a great storyteller like so you're gonna get a good story out of him no matter what I, I did not like the Mr. Mercedes books. Um, mm. I didn't see the series. Uh, I have a feeling that the, there is some love part parts in that one that was kind of rough to read. Yeah, through. he's it's again the romance parts very confusing. Did you did you see the Lisi story? It's on um, Apple Pod Apple um, TV. Just got Apple TV. Look forward to it. Look, look, look Just at Lisey's story. It's actually pretty well made. It's it kind of touches on some of his more maybe cosmic horror stuff. Uh, so our our timing is good because oh, yeah. Stephen King actually put out a book today called Billy Summers. It's a crime novel. I have no idea what it's about, but just so you know, it's it is available for whoever. One thing that you guys may not know is available that is was around for a long time in india is uh so i was listening to uh the king cast it's a podcast uh where these two guys eric and scott just do a deep dive into stephen king mm-hmm. but one thing they introduced me to is a tv series called woe w-o-h you need to google that right now and look at the images it is an indian tv series based on the book it and oh, I think it cool. ran for for many seasons, but it was like they didn't have the budget of the Tim Curry version. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and apparently, they tried to stick to the book. They just—it's like the uh, the whatever just got released, the Russian version of Lord of the Rings. Yes, oh, yes. yes, it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> so good. No, look, yeah, look it up at um, W O H TV series, and you will. Um, you'll be gifted with some stuff. You might be able to find some video, but I don't think it would have English subtitles. So have you just to keep this, this, this podcast rolling along, have either of you ever been embarrassed by Stephen King? Like while you're carrying a book, I, I, I'm just thinking of a story and I thought maybe you would have an equal story where I was at a residency, not the one I work at, but I actually was attending a residency for uh, in rural Maine, not far from Stephen King's hometown. And it was a small residency. So there was me and four other visual artists and then five writers. And we were there for a month. It was beautiful. It was an amazing experience. But I'd never done a residency where I'm living and working with writers before. <laughs> and it turns out, I'm not super smart. I'm really good at art stuff. Like I'm pretty good at like talking about very specific things, but like, for instance, I didn't know there was a difference between like a novel and a like book. <laughs> like I thought all books were novels. Novels are just things with fictional stories. So if you wrote a, like a biography, that's not a novel. That's, that's something that I think most people know. I apparently didn't know that I constantly embarrassed myself. But one time I was having a conversation with a bunch of writers. And we were talking about authors that we liked. And I was like, well, not to not to lie. And I'm sure I'm going to get some. <coughs> I'm sure I'm going to get some shit for it. But I, uh, I just finished a Stephen King book. And he's not so bad. And they all looked at me 
so disgusted. Well, like, get a load of this guy. There's like, oh my God, who wants to put this fool in his place? And I was like, I know, I know, but I'm going to stand by it. He's not so bad. And they complete, I lost so much respect. They lost so much respect for me. Like, it was Uh... And I was like, all right, all right, writers. Writers don't like Stephen King. And I'm just going to go back and get some more beers and then come back and should the- pretend like you didn't no no so- no no i stopped trying to be cool years ago i just like own what it is that i am you know what i mean but i i came back and was like well i know how to build stuff so let's, t- let's talk about that but but and it was fine they never actually gave me stuff for it but it was more their eyes i could see their eyes yeah. lose respect for me because i was like he's not so bad um well, it's just like when I was growing up outside of watching The Shining and a few other movies that I was maybe a little young for, I definitely read a lot of Hardy Boys books, along with John Belair's, the the children's author I was we were talking about earlier with the ghosts. But and and I remember someone being like, you know, he got paid by the page, the guy Frank dean or whatever that guy's name was who wrote the hardy boys books it's like he got paid by the page and they were total trash i was like that trash made my life so much better <laughs> like i love i love the hardy boys when i was a kid and i read it way before most people were reading like, that's because dad had the whole series in hardback uh, dad and our grand our, well, I guess they were grandmother from, did. They were his because they're from like yeah. the. 50s but you know what's kind of messed up about those Hardy Boys books? Why I started reading them was actually because I knew they were from the '40s and they were the original pre- printing because that's how old Dad. Is. <laughs> so like he had the originals from his childhood in the '50s, uh, and even as like an eight-year-old, I'm reading them and I'm like, I feel like I'm in a time machine, and I'm I I I was so nostalgic for that in 1948 these two teenagers could get on a moped at age like 14 and go by themselves off for several days and like go investigate some smugglers on a cove by a haunted house i was like the freedom of those kids and the nostalgia for a time where you could have a haunted house and it was like it was like i was already i mean obviously the 50s sucked i'm not trying to like whitewash like nostalgia but even as a kid i picked up on this stuff that i could never have and one of them was just a mysterious life you know what i mean like where there could be a light a lighthouse where no one went to and you could go in there you know and now it'd be a tourist attraction with 100 people around and everyone taking selfies like there was like a mystery about the past, which never was true, but there was a mystery about the past that I like dug into as a kid. And I think that like kind of, I mean, it's a little bit of a off topic, but I, maybe there's aspects of that that can be seen on Stephen King. I'm sure I, could I, I do. I do it all the time. Like that's mm-hmm. what I know what to buy at the, the, the airport. And I read a ton of science fiction and I don't care. I enjoy it. Like if I'm going for an escape, I want to I want to escape this reality in, or go off and do something crazy. And maybe it's like scary clown or maybe it's like, <laughs> you know, going into another, uh, you know, world with uh, uh, werewolves and stuff. But uh, I do it. I do it for escape. And that's why I love uh, the sci fi horror fantasy that kind of thing because it's something totally awesome and crazy and same thing with movies why i want to go like seeing we i saw the new it at the theater how fun was that i saw it with you yeah it was really fun to watch i like it but if (laughs) with your at the time 16 year old daughter who was definitely a little scared but she had read the book so i I she she was 15 yeah i think she was 15 and we put the uh like later um uh like she was scared of it and then uh i tied she went out off somewhere with mary and while they were gone i went to the grocery store <laughs> got a red helium balloon and then tied it in her bath bathroom to the shower thing just so it was just floating like that and i moved the shower curtain so if you looked in the bathroom oh, no. mirror you would just see like half a red balloon like so good she but she did get maybe she got scared but she got mad and then she like i i heard this i was in our our bedroom and i hear this thud, 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 thud. i gotta 
get you, Dad. Was that at your farmhouse? Was that your no, farmhouse? no, that was at the other house. I wouldn't bring a balloon into that house because that would make no, 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 no. no. Like... We got we have enough problems. And speak of like ghosts or whatever stuff, that's like <laughs> you don't need to conjure anything up at the 250 year old house we're living in because it's scary enough to go into the basement without like having pranksters. Your, ba- your stuff is scary with the lights on yeah like well you get used to it i gotta day. say i'm more used to it now you do get used to you get used to fear that's why you should always confront fear or because... the environment you get used to the environment and yeah. mary had the best idea like because i when i was there for seven days by myself on like the seventh day it was like 11 30 at night i'm eating crackers in our kitchen which is in the basement i'm like well ghosts like now's the time to scare me if you're gonna go <laughs> do it like nothing's happened i've no dog i've been here alone all week nothing and i wasn't scared so i went up and mary i told that to mary and she's like there are probably like ghosts all over you like <laughs> you just wouldn't see them you're just walking by them like like little you're too, mosquitoes you're too closed. Like, well it, it, I, it's probably just like uh we watched beetlejuice recently um and uh you know they they said uh most humans in the book of the recently deceased or whatever it says most humans won't see you it's they they go it doesn't say can't it just says won't (laughs) (laughs) it's really true and this ties into stephen king too because one thing that he does is he creates a basement and then turns the light out and the reason i'm bringing up the basement a couple times is because i we have a basement and it's finished and it's not scary and there's a a disabled cat down there right now on a tv and a couch and stuff but when i turn the lights out i sprint up those stairs as fast as i can i am 38 and i've been doing that since i was four years old if those lights go out it's hoof you you i have this like thing that you should try um where if you find yourself physically scared of something other than like a dude with a gun or you know like an actual physical threat but like a conceptual threat lean into it and like explore it like you've been like, doing that like that's why i think that's weird because you've been scared you've been exposed to scary occult things for a long time it's just you you turn around and you walk towards the basement when i'm like sprinting out and you're like well i'm gonna see well i don't i'm still scared of it but it's like uh it's like generally if you're scared of something it's usually telling you something to that you should like subconsciously explore for you like other people aren't scared of it and you're like why am i and there's probably something there that's that should be investigated like or will be reward you'll like you'll grow Somehow you mean from like it. something about me that's but... how you find the treasure right you're not going to yeah. find the treasure by avoiding the scary you find the treasure by pushing through it and being brave yeah like the games uh, well i found the treasure by putting a cat down there as distraction <laughs> you know like using a dog to pull the mandrake root out because you, you don't want to do it <laughs> do you do that with uh does the cat get lights or does the cat not have lights what a scroats the wonder cat has lights like you, you lights? name the cat scroats <laughs> no her name is figaro but i've been calling her scroats the wonder cat um so here's i have a couple questions for you Pop quiz. Stephen King quiz. quiz. Pop quiz, hot shot. Pop quiz, asshole. King quiz. Quiz King. How tall is Stephen King? Oh. Six two. Six two. He's Chris. tall? How tall is he? I put him at like five ten. Six four. No. Yep. What? You know why Look I at the said picture. six two? Why is, I said six two? Because he talked about being six two in high school. Uh, uh, well, uh, he's listed as 6'4", if you look I up. can believe it, yeah. All right, pop quiz, king quiz. What's his net worth? In 1982, One. it was worth like $3 million. <laughs> It's It is more than that now. It's $900 million. Nate. He's not a billionaire, but he's almost there. No, I'd say $300 million. $500 million. Right so in between. Closer. And it was 200. Well, he does. I feel like he's a very generous person. As someone who lives and works in Maine part of the year, he's a big uh, uh, patron of a lot of things. He's a big, um, he's very generous. I like his politics. I mean, we didn't discuss that, but it's really cool that he's like super progressive and like does a lot of like um, work for the betterment of Maine society. And 
Other. Okay, so here's here's actually a story to go along with Stephen King being a giving person. Chris and I shared a teacher in VCU named Tom DeHaven. Oh yes. And I, I was actually going to email him and ask him to retell the story, and decided it was not worth it because uh, that's awesome. Anyway. So what was it? Well, he was our teacher, but what class was it? American Horror. Anyway, so he he's an author. He used to publish fantasy books or fantasy sci-fi things, and like about Superman. He's a big comic book geek. And then his daughters did not believe that he had met Stephen King because apparently he did at, at some uh, event or whatever. And so he wrote a letter. This was before emails were as big as they were, I guess, and and said like, Mr. King, I appreciate meeting you. This is whatever. My daughters absolutely don't believe that it happened, but you know, I'm glad that it did. And in response, uh, Stephen King sent him a whole volume of novels personalized with his name and autograph saying like, Oh, it was so nice to meet you. <laughs> like here's like on each one. So he could tell his daughters like you, I did meet him. Like, <laughs> That's awesome. And he gets his books forever. Like it was just cool. <laughs> What would your Stephen King tattoo be? Ooh. Ugh. Nate. It's also a Riddler. So if you think of a good Stephen King tattoo, email it to wizard at dorfyou.com, D-O-R-F-Y-O-U.com, or any of our social medias, uh, AAO podcast on Twitter. Draw a picture of it. Draw a, draw picture. a picture of it. Um, so Nate, what would your Stephen King tattoo be? My Stephen King tattoo. I like the little troll, but it would have to be a like an outline drawing and not like a like shaded. an illustration of it. Yeah, you wouldn't want to do one that's uh like a shaded thing, like a three D rendering. You'd want like a stylized version of them. Yeah, maybe that. Maybe uh, maybe I do the that, and maybe like that would be a good one on like that your leg trying to climb up your leg or something to get you gross uh chris what's your answer my stephen king tattoo would be a dull boy <laughs> oh, <my> yeah. <laughs> knuckle tattoo that's pretty good a dull boy okay so i thought about knuckle tattoo but i changed it mine would be it would say it would be a picture of tom hanks and his son and his wife and i think he has a daughter maybe and it would say shaw hanks <laughs> <laughs> Do we have any other uh, anything exciting or updates? Um, well, I, we could mention that we do have a YouTube channel. We're trying out the video version so you can see our beautiful faces. And we do make a lot of references that it is kind of interesting to see the, visu the visual references that we're making kind of in real time. So if you're listening to this, check us out uh, at our YouTube channel. Uh, which you can find by going to dorfyou.com, D-O-R-F-Y-O-U.com. That, of course, will link you to also our paranormal insurance company that we work for, and um, you'll find links to the YouTube channel as well as other other podcast uh, distributors like uh, Spotify or Apple Podcasts or however you get your podcasts. So you should be checking in with dorfyou.com. Okay.